0: Welcome into TFW Live, the best-kept secret in fantasy football, where we keep that week one feeling going all year long. I am Big Travy, and I'm joined here by one of my best friends, Austin Sear. My other best friend, Johnny Game Time Hicks, is on dad duty. Shout out to our boy, Johnny. We'll get you back soon. As always, we want to shout out our newest members of Whisper Nation, those who subscribed and follow us on social media, We've got Cliff, Classic Mike from the Get Right Fantasy Football Network, Charlie, Coach H, Skeeter X, Mello, Muhammad Ali, Daniel O'Connell, and legionsports.io. And if you love fantasy football and you would enjoy being part of a community where you know you belong, hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. We are trying to get just one more subscriber on this stream. Just one more. Could be you. And if you're new, let us know where you're streaming from. We'd love to shout you out on the show. But today's show... Is an awesome special edition Tuesday show. We're going live yes. here. We're joined by a very special guest, our guy, Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys. Yeah, his work on footballguys.com, following him on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom. How are you feeling today, Sig?
1: Great. I love the week one feeling, right? Yeah. Anticipation. I always called it the click, click, click on the roller coaster, that first yeah. hill, you know? Yeah. And, and can we all try to capture that every day of our lives? There's always things that we can look forward to like opening a pack of sports cards that buzz that comes off of that all those other yeah. things uh let's have life be like that today and every day
2: well yeah i am, it's beaming. Kind of, I am genuinely beaming from yeah. the call out of our week one feeling all year long because yeah. yeah that is a deep philosophical nugget that we are trying to grow and of course you sig would be the one to acknowledge that no surprises on that and I think it's like it's it's almost we try to do week one because
0: it's like succinct. We get it down there. But it's almost like from the moment you draft and you're talking about right. that draft rosterbation, if you will, and then all the <laughs> way up to that week one. It's just amazing, that feeling. And we're just trying to tap into that. So we're glad to have you here today, Sig. And our show is going to be kind of based on those overall you know, philosophical Mm -hmm. questions we need answers to for this fantasy football season. But before we do, we've had you on before. It was a few years back. We want to get to know you a little bit better. We got some rapid fire questions here for you. Um, So we'll get through some of these we've been doing with our guests lately as well. Do you root for your NFL team or your fantasy team more?
1: NFL team, because the Steelers and the late Ben Roethlisberger era have been depressing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What year did you start playing fantasy football? 2000,
1: uh, fantasy sports, like the early 90s, but didn't get in my first football league until I worked in an office.
0: Okay. Mm. Uh, favorite fantasy football player of all time? It's really
1: just your favorite player of all time. And mm. it, at this point, I think it has to be my president, Marshawn Lynch. Just my son. Mm. <laughs> yes. I love it. It. Love some beast
0: mode. Love it. Favorite fantasy football team name, Sig.
1: You know, this is one that uh, th- this is a, one of the rare parts of fantasy football that I've never actually dove into. Um, I'll say this: that my first fantasy baseball team, my first team in fantasy sports, was named the Ellis D's after Doc Ellis. Mm. And there's a there's a play there. If you look it up, no, no, the documentary. It's a good one. It's the best no hitter story. One of the best sports stories ever.
2: Wait, I know that one. I've yeah. seen that. I've seen that animation on it. Played for the Pirates. Yeah, and there's like about an hour and a half documentary that gets deeper okay. into his. Is this the one life. you're
0: talking about where he was on acid, and he Yeah, yeah okay. he was yeah. hanging out with his
1: girlfriend. It was a doubleheader, and they called him and said, "Hey, our pitcher scratched. We need you to drive up from like San Diego and pitch the game." Yeah, the yeah, Mike. No hitter, LSD
0: or LCD. Yeah, and he and yeah. that's just
1: one of many great Doc Ellis stories. He's an incredible character,
0: and baseball used to be full of characters. It used to be so buttoned. Up. Mm yeah well we got some fantasy football characters in baseball lately so that's kind of fun isn't that crazy that one of the (laughs) biggest baseball stories of the year was was about a fantasy football football. nfl is king it doesn't matter what sport or what you're doing it's it's the king how about a sound or noise you love sigmund i love and i'm gonna go
1: new orleans folks love us some new orleans and i've only lived here for four years but the first time i came here 25 years ago i heard the siren song and eventually it got me Mm -hmm. uh the sound of the streetcar the streetcar on the tracks in New Orleans. In fact, it's my old place. Uh, we had a balcony and it was situated where you could hear the Mississippi River. You could hear the boats, the big boats on the Mississippi River going, like, oh. and you could hear the streetcar going by. And you could get a real sense of place. I always feel like New Orleans is in a snow globe or mm-hmm. a train set. You know, it's all wonderfully self-contained. And it's really wonderful to have a sense of place. And mm-hmm. uh, the sound of the streetcar tracks is always something that is going to make me nostalgic.
0: It's so mm-hmm. great. We had our mutual friend Dwayne on, uh, Dwayne McFarlane, a couple of weeks ago. and Yeah. He did, you know, waking up in the morning, hearing nature. And you're like, I love the city bustle. It's, it's cool to see the dichotomy of it because mm-hmm. both are a beautiful kind of it's thing. It's all interconnection. It. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, favorite swear word, Sigmund?
1: And you guys, are so you know, You're on good. football guys, we we're, we're PG. Sorry, We have, Joe, we yeah. have our sorry, Joe. Yeah. yeah, but I'm here, and it's just, it's gotta be motherfuck, motherfuck, motherfucker, motherfucker, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, okay. You know, I mean, there's, it's so, it's so durable. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, got I mean, oomph too. It. it. Can be negative. It can be positive. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's, like, he's either the a real he's bad a, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know what I'm he's saying? He's either a
0: real motherfucker. Man, that guy's a real motherfucker. Or that's a real motherfucker. A real Yeah. Yeah, right? Motherfucker
2: there. And if it
0: wasn't for motherfuckers, would any of us exist? No. <laughs> no. Oh, pay homage to the motherfuckers God bless. in your life. That's what Father's Day was for, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they just changed it to Motherfuckers Day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What are the most leagues, Sigmund? I've, you've played in at one time.
1: Oh, man. You know – um, Actual roster management, waiver wire, I think I got as high as 17 or 18 before I wasn't it started to diminish the enjoyment of each league because I didn't feel like I could monitor them. And look, and I'm not, no, this is not poor me. Fantasy football has been so good to me, better to me than I ever deserved. But managing my teams is the last thing I do. It's what I do if I have some time left over after I do everything else. So when Ooh. I got to 17 or 18, I, I realized I need to drop about half of these. and I think I'm about 10, 11 now, and I can handle that. Mm. Uh,
0: most exciting fantasy football moment?
1: Oh, man. Uh, This one sticks out, and uh, it was a a league where, in the final, I was a a huge underdog. I I was totally outgunned. And, well, you got it. That's why they play the games. And going in, it was was, uh, two years ago, going into Monday night, it was the Bills playing on Monday night, uh, or a year and a half ago now. And I was down by 39.6 or something like that. It's like, okay. Well, if Stefan Diggs can catch three touchdowns for, like, <laughs> 150 yards. Eight, sure. Sure. So my, my wife and I are watching the game, and um, and he scores a touchdown. You know, Josh Allen's on fire. He scores another touchdown. And now I'm starting to sit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah really and then I don't remember even the string of plays right before the touchdown but it had to happen exactly the way it happened for Diggs I think there was an almost touchdown right before Diggs caught the third touchdown and my wife still says it's the fastest she's ever seen me move when <laughs> Stephon Diggs scored the touchdown I mean just like my soul jumped out of my body because it just well, it was so impossible it was yeah. truly impossible that I was going to win that matchup and and it was the team that was the best team all year it was the team that's <laughs> roster was stacked Top point scorer, untouchable, and was not to be.
0: Yes,
2: I love Harmony. It. Yes.
0: <laughs> Favorite game day beverage for you, Sig? See, it's got to be coffee, right? I mean,
1: oh. for me, because I'm up at 6 or 7 in the morning until 10 p.m. at night producing mm-hmm. work product. And I love it. Again, I'm not saying poor me. Right. But it's coffee, right? Anything uh, you know, else to put you to bed right uh now if we're talking about the playoffs we're talking about uh outside of work time um it's just yeah if you're going to a game yeah, I mean, uh, I'll shout out Founders. I mean, I don't just say a beer. Uh, founders up in Michigan, like everything nice. they do is just delicious. And they have a lot of different barrel-age. Avery, uh, who a good friend of mine used to work for in uh, Colorado also yeah, is good. Yeah,
0: Avery's like,
1: good. We sure like, in like you know, a certain breweries like everything you get. Like, if it sounds good, it's going to be good. And I always have at least like a couple of cases of Founders variety around
0: in case of emergency, you know. Love it. Break glass. Grab a founders. Uh, boneless or bone in on your wings. It's bone in. I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know. I, I and I don't understand why this has to be controversial. Can we all just agree that you have to get the sauce right? The, just get the buffalo sauce right. Yeah. And does it put it on cardboard? I don't right. care. Right. <laughs> you got to get the act because there's a lot of stuff out there masquerading as buffalo sauce. It mm. is not buffalo sauce. Mm. What do you, you think, think of to, Frank's? Frank's, well, that's the key. Okay, so Frank's is a key element, right? So buffalo sauce should have butter and cayenne pepper sauce. Mm. And then, you know, maybe a little lemon, a little Worcestershire sauce, a little this, that. But if it's not the base of butter and cayenne pepper sauce, it is not. Now, granted, you can get your Frank's and just dip your stuff in the Frank's, and it's going to give you that sweat. And and that vinegary flavor, exactly what you want out of buffalo sauce. But it's the butter that makes it adhere. It's the butter that makes it luscious and delicious. It's the butter that will send us to our early Gee, greens, I want some wings you
0: know? so bad after hearing Sigmund talk about, yeah. about it. Yeah, and I will say
1: flats, <laughs> flats over drums.
0: Too oh much. yes, dude. Thank you. Flats don't over the drums. drums th- just have too much of that connective tissue and that stuff. I'm sure our bodies love it and can do lots of good stuff with that stuff. But I don't. Like, I just back. like honestly, if we're talking about the carnal, like animalistic nature of doing wings, flats are better. You're like ripping them apart. Yes. Yeah. It's just like it just feels like a better ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, kickoff is in two minutes. Sigmund, you're 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 deciding your flex. Are you going to go with your gut or your weekly rankings that you put out on football, guys?
1: Okay. So I'm going to go with my gut, but then I'm going to go to my rankings and make sure my rankings agree with my gut. And if they don't, I'm going to change my rankings.
0: Okay. I like All that. Right. I All right. Out. Perfect. And then what's your favorite position to draft from in 2022 so far?
1: What do you think? Yeah, I think six or seven. I know it's the boring kind of missionary position of fantasy football, you know. Missionary underrated. Underrated. Well, again, go back <laughs> to the motherfuckers. I mean, yeah. that's probably number one on the list of uh, pregnancies, right? Where would any of us be? <laughs> yeah, we, know, we know our dads too well. Um <laughs> on the couch. My name is Sidman. We're going (laughs) to go there. Uh, (laughs) So six or seven is good because I think six, especially uh, in a classic, it's classic now, PPR league, you're going to get one of Taylor McCaffrey, uh, uh, Chase, Jefferson, Cup. Yeah. I, I think Eckler, I think most likely you're going to end up with Eckler, which is kind of where I want to be anyway. Uh, and he, it's not too rich if you want to reach for Kelsey there. And then in the middle of the round, of course, you get to harvest the values, you're not subject to position runs, you know, every, everything you, you have, you can have a more even keel draft when you're in the middle.
0: I like it. Well, speaking of drafting, we're setting up for our mock draft marathon next July, so we'll run that clip really quick to show Whisper Nation what's on the docket. Mock draft marathon.
2: What is this? Consecutive mock drafts for a total of 24 hours. Requires hours and even years of preparation. Which is a little
0: bit controversial. But Are you shitting me, Johnny? I didn't plan that, I swear. I can pretty much say 100%. Something that you really love to do. Let the games begin. Somebody came in and stole Johnny and they're hijacking
2: his draft. Are you going to blame it on his 78-year-old neighbor? Damn it, you guys snuck in a super flex? I knew it. Ball is going to taste different than this meatball. That's not that bad from a flex. Outliers decide fantasy games. Stand out above the crowd. About the same set of 200 players, and it never gets old.
0: That's right, July 23rd and 24th, we'll be going live again for the fourth straight year. 24 straight hours on YouTube, mock drafting with some of the best in the industry, and we cannot wait. We're super pumped to get into some fantasy football questions that we need answered for the 2022 season we've got you on the show here sigmund mm-hmm. so the first one you know what was your first question that you you gave to us here sigmund and just talk a little bit about why you you want that one answered
1: yeah it's will aj brown unlock the mm. eagles offense and i think that we should always most especially at this time of year in our fantasy football prep- preparation be looking at change because if everything's the same as last year. Well, I mean, there can be opportunity. Say someone like Gabriel Davis, it's pretty much the same as last year. But I guess that's changed, too. Um, you know, Offenses that change fascinate me the most because now you're opening up a wider range of opportunity, wider range of outcomes in fantasy where it's going to be different. We just don't know how much, in some cases, in what direction it's going to be different. Uh, and A.J. Brown, so let's start here, guys. Uh, And let's say hats off to Nick Sirianni because the Eagles came into the season with Jalen Hurts, maybe not necessarily truly by choice, okay? But that was their quarterback. They didn't want to make a splash. You know, they were holding their powder, keeping it dry for a year or two down the line. And uh, they went out with, I think Nick Sirianni uh, maybe wanted to challenge him as a passer, or maybe it's just philosophical. And they had a pass-heavy offense, and it was atrocious. I mean, it, was, it, it made it look like, well, even whatever Hurts fantasy stats were, he wasn't going to be mm-hmm. a starting quarterback in the NFL for that much mm-hmm. longer. Uh, now, some of this maybe you can pin on their failures of, to draft, drafting at wide receiver and so on. But regardless, it was not going well. And then this offensive staff did a, a real 180 and became a power running team. Now, when you have a good offensive line, maybe the lesson here is when you have a good offensive line, or at least you have a tradition of a good offensive line because they had some injuries last year. When you have mm-hmm. a good offensive line, you can have some flexibility. And also, there's another embedded thing here. I wish coaches trusted players more. I wish mm. coaches just, you know, why does it have to be always something you practice 378 times in the Do you
2: think the best level? ones do? I want to jump in there because I remember hearing Nick Saban yeah. one time say he learned a lesson at the end of a game that was – you tr- in the end of a game, in pivotal situations, right. you trust players over plays. Yes. Do you think that the best coaches have yeah. that embedded in, their, in the way they outlook and the way they plan?
1: They do. They do. We're going to go with tangents on tangents, and I love this because this is how, <laughs> how life is, right? Because you, you say the best ones. And is there a better head coach than Bill Belichick? i don't think so i mean i think he's he's the guy if you say like if he's the prototype certainly has been i mean he's the archetype of uh for so many reasons i love by the way hearing that he's getting out on the field and snapping the ball you know just (laughs) that like there was a a picture mike reese who does not tweet out fluff just put a picture of bill belichick with a, a true from the soul smile saying i enjoy coaching and the next day or or two days after that, there was that report that he was actually out on the field snapping the ball to Mac Jones and pointing things out. Yeah, now, how's it going to go when he leans in on offense with Matt Patricia Joe Judge? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, But anyway, I'm bringing up Bill Belichick because at the end of the Super Bowl, whenever he schooled Sean McVay, uh, they went to a uh, two-tight end, two-running back set, uh, which – uh, but still, uh, like, actually because of the personnel to split players out wide and it really uh, put the Rams defense, which had been so strong during that game, uh, in a pickle. And I think they said they had practiced like five plays all year, like training camp. Mini camp, whatever practices in that with that set and those personnel so i think that's a great example of winning a super bowl he said end of the game i mean that was it that was what yeah. decided that super bowl so circling all the way back to the eagles they trusted the players to execute a real dramatic change during the season to a powering team and it worked it was mm-hmm. it was it was phenomenal yeah and Hertz still wasn't that efficient of a passer, but the team's success was a lot better. Now you add in AJ Brown. Uh, now you put defenses with creative play calls, play designs in binds that they can't, I like to say, questions they can't answer. Yeah. You know, how are you going to cover Dallas Goddard and AJ Brown and account for this running game and account for Jalen Hurts making you play 11 on 11? football i I just don't think you can so now you get to a potential place where the efficiency of this offense just spikes and it doesn't matter that the pass attempts are low i mean jalen hurts could be i think number one fantasy quarterback is in his range of outcomes this year um aj brown could get 100 you could say oh he only got 120 targets but it could be for like Eighty-five catches and fourteen hundred yards. You know, just yeah, crazy work yards per catch.
0: Yeah, one hundred twenty right. targets for AJ Brown is the epitome of efficiency at wide receiver position, right? Like, right. How that's many, many did he have in been? his big year?
1: I don't even right. remember. It wasn't that high. So, and t- and he's coming from an offense that wasn't a high attempt offense where he showed that he could do the most with his opportunity. Right. So I think you just want to, you want to catch a hook on that in some way. Maybe it's Sanders. Maybe it's Brown at ADP. Maybe it's hurts. Maybe it's Goddard because he's going to be the guy that defenses say, well, if someone's going to beat us, I guess it's going to be Goddard. We know Goddard is on the verge of a breakout, you know? So I just think that offense is really fascinating. And I think that you need to put a chip on it and maybe we'll learn a little more in the next month or two, which
2: player Sigmund, you kind of jumped right ahead into the question I had formed. Read in some of your work here. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about the Eagles in this industry a lot. They're a hot topic for a lot of cool reasons. I'm wondering at the current ADPs for those other skill positions after A.J. Brown, Miles Sanders, as of yesterday, going around 74, Hertz 70, mm-hmm. uh, Devonta Smith, 84, Dallas Godard, 80. Which one right now? Are you looking to put that chip on? I know you said that we'll see more as they come. But right now, today, June 21st, who are you putting a chip on right now with their current ADPs? I think it's Sanders.
1: I think it's Sanders just because of position scarcity. And it creates lots of flexibility for your team build. If you think I can get a running back two who will flirt with running back one numbers in some weeks in the seventh round. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the sixth round, you know, if you want to just be sure you'll get him. And he, we know he has talent. Sanders is so difficult because it isn't like we haven't seen him flash. I mean, there have been plays. I remember he did it against the Steelers when the Steelers run defense was still good. And, you know, he had um, like nine attempts for, and one of the attempts was like a 75-yard touchdown um and again and this is going to be against defenses where the field is tilted against them because of how difficult it's going to be and the quality of this offensive line this is an offensive line that's probably gonna have a backup or two that would be better than any offensive lineman on the Steelers roster right
0: yeah I mean yeah I mean, I mean, well, t- a lot of people love this offensive line a lot of people smarter than me on offensive line have been touting up a lot of what and- the Eagles put together
1: and it's been that way for a while, and they just keep cycling these guys through, like Jordan Mylotta, the rugby player, you know, um, Dickerson, who the Steelers should have taken instead of Pat Freer, but that's another topic. Uh, you know, and they, they draft Juergens, who's Kelsey's heir. So you know, like Jergens p- could start for a lot of teams. Hmm. In their second round pick, and he's just you know they're just, they're just keeping that uh, assembly line going. So I think it's Sanders also because we haven't quite seen everything come together for him. Right? It seems like every time he's about to break out. Or he'll have a, a spate of fumbles or he'll get hurt um maybe
0: or he won't this, score any rushing touchdowns, uh, mm.
1: right well <laughs> i mean and look and this is a moment to say hey reserve a late round pick for kenny gainwell too oh, yeah. you know because because he's more attached to this regime and so on um you know let's keep an eye on if even if jordan howard gets resigned just you know, put that in your back pocket like week fourteen waiver wire watch right. list kind of stuff. The that's point we came is, in last year. Yeah. Right. The point is that this is the kind of offense that's just going to create
2: success for whoever gets the opportunity. Mm. Well and is think- there anyone you don't like really quick. Is there anyone you don't like? Are you out on like Devonta Smith? Are you are you maybe out on Dallas God or yeah. where they're well, at? no, not no because of the price. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean that's the thing.
1: They're all priced very reasonably. They're this Eagles offense is not priced like an offense that could have honestly the highest efficiency in the league. I mean per play. You know, Mm if they, if they deploy the players in a rational way, and that's what we saw last year, right? How many times guys, the the chiefs are another good example Mm -hmm. where it just gives you confidence that Mm -hmm. as as struggle, as adversity presents itself, the coaches aren't going to just sit back and say, well, let's just keep trying what we've worked on for the whole off season and see if it's going to work this week. And I think that gives you more confidence whenever, um, to stick through with players on those offenses through maybe some lean times during the season. And that if you're trying to project, well, if this, if that, and that's where we get ourselves in trouble in fantasy, right? Well, if this, if this, if this, and if once you get to like the second or third, if maybe (laughs) you should just realize your analysis is good and it's trying to tell you to go away from the player, you know, but in this case, I, I trust these coaches.
0: Yeah. And I also think you said something, a couple of things on a few shows ago when you said, you know, it behooves us to actually be optimistic in fantasy football. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a great point. And it's like, that's what I look at with the Eagles. And honestly, your point on Miles Sanders is the right one, even Hurts. Who stands to benefit the most if they're if they can't be pass happy? Miles Sanders and Hurts probably. Right. Mm -hmm. because they're both still going to run. Who stands to benefit the most if they're pass happy? probably still miles Sanders and Jalen hurts because they'll have more opportunities. So I think that they both went out, uh, regardless of the situation. So I think that's a really smart thing to go with here. We're moving on. Johnny's question. Uh, if he's watching, we, we love you, Johnny. He wanted to ask about, you know, basically Josh Jacobs and this, and this Raiders offense, because, you know, Sigmund, as you, as you pointed out here, retweeting, uh, Vic, to Fur, who I believe is a beat writer uh, via the athletic for the Raiders. He, you said it's unlikely the Raiders now make Jacobs, the bell cow back get, that John Gruden always said he was, there is probably a decent chance that Ziegler and McDaniels already think white is better than him. Uh, a committee approach makes, seems to make sense keeping everybody fresh and ideally available. And so we've seen it in new England, obviously the RBBC. And so kind of like, what are we to do with Josh Jacobs this year? Um, because he's kind of always been that guy that we fade since his first year that we fade yeah. in ADP. And then he ends up kind of overproducing that a little bit and kind of, you know, winning out the truthers. But, you know, I've also heard, you know, I think it was Ian Harditz was saying that, you know, Josh McDaniels actually said that he thinks that Josh Jacobs is a three down back. So, I mean, what do we kind of do? There's two lines. Right, right. They're going to, they're going to pound the rock with him because he's in his contract here they didn't pick it up and just go with the backs later, or they're going to run the old new England style. Right. And that's there's a lot of things to tease apart
1: here, right? Um first of all, Josh McDaniel's uh the sequel, because right? It went so it went so poorly in Denver that had to wait like ten years before the stink was fully off of him. I mean Belichick only wait like four years. Right. Uh but the stink is off of him and he finally had the opportunity after the false start uh with the Colts that he was willing to take it's kind of weird to go back and think about that because we all thought that meant that he got promised the job. And right, him. like he was heir apparent or something. Things change, though. Things yeah. change. Um, so first of all, and this is, and we get at some of our larger assumptions when we start to examine these situations. Because first of all, again, change. And that's important. That's what we want to look closer at. Uh, Josh McDaniels, what has he done before? And how can we apply that to predicting what's going to happen? And it's been a running back by committee. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they certainly have uh, Jacobs, Drake, and they draft White. Mm -hmm. So it, it makes sense to think of those three guys all playing roles, but not necessarily like a classic New England backfield. Uh, where the work is so segmented that you can almost call the play by who's out on the field, right? The Patriots were one of the original running back by committee teams, and they showed it can work. It can work even when you telegraph with your personnel set, you know what what the range of plays are. Um, but I think that what Vic and Vic Tafers covered the Raiders for a long time. So one of the things when you're looking at beat writer stuff is how long is this uh, coach? How long is this? How long have they? How many coaches? How many regimes have they covered mm-hmm. this team? And he's been there for a long time, and he you know he tells you that this was gruden's intent gruden the gruden regime took a running back in the first round the ziggler regime did not pick up the fifth year option um and they drafted zamir white who in terms of raw wattage of running back talent is a you know he's a motherfucker
2: came, yeah. in, as the, came in as the number one halfback recruit when he was right. coming out of high school five stars
1: yeah, yeah. and it, you're saying well why didn't it? well he was at georgia all right. I mean, we may see that both James Cook and Zamir White ball out in the mm. NFL. You know, I think I think both of these guys you have to keep them in mind. as we're talking about Alabama backs, so I just think that you are going to see Kenyon Drake come back from a broken ankle. I mean, the other thing about Drake, was to keep in mind is he didn't show up at minicamp. I mean, he was there physically, but he wasn't practicing. Now, it could be nothing. It could be part of the reason that they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Right? Just right. That they they don't see him staying healthy. Certainly, he was. Uh, used in not always a wise way under Gruden, and I think that whatever, wherever you want to place your chip on how much he's going to be used, it's going to be less. It's, it's, and we weren't exactly happy with his usage under Gruden, so I just think that Jacobs is a guy you're fading right now, and you're really thinking more about, um, when and if he gets hurt or. What's going to be that move when we do get the reveal in the first few weeks on how the Raiders are going to use their running backs? And maybe it is a buy low, but the problem with Jacobs is Clyde edwards is, is similar, right? Where like we they come into the league and we're so excited, and they they bust in fantasy football terms in their rookie year. So then their price drops the next year.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's I think like, do Jacobs- they ever recover? Well, so actually, recover to like what they should have been, which is probably RB2 price tag the entire. Right. Day. Right. And actually, I think Jacobs went up to second
1: year. A, he was a first round second pick. year. Yeah, you're right. Jacobs was a third round pick his first year, basically produced like a third round pick. And then everybody wanted to put him in the first round. And he actually wasn't as good. I think even as he was as a rookie. And then you're seeing. So the point is, it's like this auction where it's like, OK, well, now or it's like a discount. Right. It's like putting okay. an, uh, putting a, something on clearance. You know, ten percent right. off. Okay, how about twenty-five percent off? How About fifty percent off, and I, I just think that the price when Clyde Edwards-Helaire has dropped from a third to a sixth-round pick when actually there's some stuff in his favor now. Yeah, and Jacobs hasn't fallen that far. Eh, I'm not. I'm not in.
0: Yeah, I'm actually more intrigued by this offense in regards to the pass catchers because if you break it all down, like Waller's good at football, Renfro looks good at football. Like we know who Adams is. He's Devonte Adams. It's like, what the hell, if they're all just good, what does that mean mm-hmm. for fantasy? What does that mean for Derek Carr? I think that we're kind of sleeping on the fact that this could actually, cause they're the black sheep of the division. Mm-hmm. Like nobody really wants to anoint them, but like, are we really going to be that surprised? This team has shown yeah. grit over the last few years and like all those dudes are good. I think I'm, I'm like, Started off the offseason saying, I, you got to fade one or two of them. I think I want to be in on all of them now. I think yeah. they're all priced pretty well. And the complicating the one complicating factor, which could be
1: good for the overall efficiency of the offense, is Foster Moreau. Because he's mm. good at football, too. Yeah and the aaron hernandez gronk thing exactly and, if you want and, to look back and what worked or what
2: uh, language with josh used. mcdaniel's coming over uh, from new england foster moreau the other tight end behind waller of course exactly
1: uh. so i mean it's good it's good for Carr. the the critical potential point of failure here is the offensive line because remember mm-hmm. they had a good offensive right. line and then just unforced air own goal they just started tearing it down now some of these guys could come on they don't have Dante Scarnecchia though I mean they did I do think that there was a good buzz I mean Patrick Graham came to the Raiders and he was very coveted around the league so I think there's a good vibe around this I'm just gonna be watching the offensive line play because if they're not firing on all cylinders and wondering what's going on it's probably the
0: offensive line that makes a lot of sense. All right, Sigmund, you had uh, three questions we we tasked you with. What was your hmm. second one? Uh, kind of the biggest question you had here. Um, Let me see. You know, here. We got to solve here. I think it was the Giants and the Bears, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, you were asking just how much did the Bears and Giants coaches hold back QB and offenses? Talk a little bit about what you were. What were you mean there? Yeah, well, there's a sen- There's a classic.
1: It can't get any worse mentality here, right? Mm. and we watched i'm sorry for giants fans and bears fans especially giants fans last year Mm -hmm. it was just painful really i mean as a fan especially if you bought tickets to the game for a season ticket holder you're thinking you expect me to pay money for this it's an insult right Mm -hmm. uh and how much was jason garrett Mr. We'll call three plays to gain exactly 10 yards. (laughs) Uh, You know, how much was he holding the offense back and him getting fired didn't matter. You know, Daniel Jones, how much did Dave Gettleman's personnel moves drag down this team in the case of the Bears, Matt Nagy and that offense. And by the way, the Matt Nagy, uh, the, the The post Nagy bounce also could apply to Mitchell Trubisky too. So, just my Steelers fan, tiny bit of optimism. All the optimism is about the Pirates now. That shows you how bad it is in Pittsburgh. (laughs) Uh, It's good that we're excited to be Pirates fans. So, look, the Giants' offense is going to be better. The Bears' offense might be Can't better. Be worse. Well, the only the, my only fear about the Bears offense is they don't I mean if Darnell Mooney, I mean at least they had Allen Robinson last year. Um their offensive line is a little shaky too. The Giants on the other hand, so maybe we you know with the Bears, I think we're pretty much talking about Justin Fields. Maybe Darnell Mooney Uh, just because he's progressing that fast and is that good, and he can be the guy when Fields extends plays. Although I didn't love the way that Fields approached extended plays at Ohio State. He looked like he wanted to run a lot more than he wanted to pass. I don't know if that's something that you can really flip in the NFL when everything speeds up and everything gets more difficult. Uh, So maybe it's Fields there. Uh, Mm -hmm. But still, you know, it's the same question. But with the Giants, what's interesting with the Giants here is you you have Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal. So you have two excellent, excellent young tackles you know if evan neal's ready to hit the ground running and andrew thomas has come on like now you have the foundation of some stability around daniel jones you have all these weapons you you know you put the tweet up on the screen about saquon barkley saying i moved around i move around more now than i have since i was in college right wow you know the player (laughs) players try to tell us stuff without having to come out and tell us
0: I love this face mm. that if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that Saquon's making where it's yeah. like, he yeah. it, the tweet says he's excited, but they chose this picture of him just kind of being like side-eyeing it. But right, that, I right. mean, that could be a, a sentiment he has when you look at what he's dealt with before. Exactly. I think exactly. Stig, when we look at these teams, you know, we think that the Giants should be good. We see the things that are, you know, we want to say positive things about them. I think we've been begging for the Giants to be good for years, just based on their pass catchers, Daniel Jones' rushing ability, Saquon, obviously. Then we have the Bears, and we don't like what they did surrounding fields, right? So we have these competing narratives for the Giants and the Bears. Like, which one are we more confident in being correct on? Like, do we think that the Bears are bad or the Giants can be good? I think that the Giants can be good.
1: And I think Mm. some of that is giving Brian Dable a nod. They have organizational alignment with Dable and Shane coming over from the Bills. Um, I think that you have, again, I'm just throwing stuff out there, Daniel Jones is not – that different of a talent in terms of archetype than josh allen yes. i mean some of the things you do with josh allen you can do with daniel jones you can have daniel jones force the defense into 11 on 11 football talking about burn someone out because their contract's over hey daniel jones is, is built not quite the battleship josh allen but what's right below a battleship on the navy scale you know mm-hmm. i mean daniel jones is built like he'll take i mean and sometimes his own detriment but the point strong is strong hips. Yeah, you definitely will run. Daniel Jones. I'm, you know, we talk about the Konami code for quarterbacks, but we never applied to Daniel Jones, and we don't know this. I mean, Daniel Jones has breakaway speed, like legit breakaway speed, and he, they will have the drop early in the season on defenses that haven't seen the table playbook with this personnel. Then you have Galladay, Gall- Tony, right? You have these redemption stories, these guys that were just buried into the old regime that could come back to life, Barkley. So you want to, again, it's the optimism. This all ties together. So whether it's Barkley in the second round, Tony in the eighth or ninth round, Galladay in the 10th or 11th round, Daniel Jones, is especially in your super flex two quarterback leagues, Daniel Jones becomes an important piece. Uh, this is fun. I think there's going to be a lot of optimism. I think this Uh, it's just like a weight lifted right I always call the ding dong the witch is dead factor Mm.
2: and I think that's how they're feeling uh with the Giants can I get a quick gut check on the Bears side of the ball because at first glance I'd say this team isn't going to get a lot of first downs and it's going to be more disappointing than exciting but I can identify a few exciting paths where say Fields and Mooney's rapport and development naturally goes up along with Cole Komet being that breakout That a lot of folks are pegging along with a combo of Pringle and Montgomery and Vilas Jones getting it done. If the coaching is good and the game plan is followed, which path do you think is more likely and are you willing to bet anything on a possible exciting Bears offense here? I think it's Fields. I mean, I think
1: it's Fields because, uh, you know, Mooney is going high enough that there's other interesting gambles hmm. in that part of the draft at wide receiver. Fields going a, a little, I mean, you know, Fields and Lance are similar propositions. Lance going a little earlier, maybe I'm a little more optimistic there. But if it hits, Fields is going to be the one who harvests the most fantasy value. And then I'll just also toss the name Killiel Herbert out. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk, when he played a couple of years back he looked good he looked like a legitimate quality nfl running back and this regime has now david montgomery going into free agency next year no one wants to sign a running back to second contract not unless they go out and they try the whole market and they say well i guess i have to settle for that first offer you gave me i think that probably happened to aaron jones sure Mm -hmm. my point is that and and this fits into the josh jacobs discussion i you know it's certainly possible he could be back with the raiders but like on a two-year 10 million dollar deal or something like that because they said no to a one-year 8 million dollar deal 8.5 something anyway uh kill of herbert And we don't know how what this new regime, I know they're going to like David Montgomery, don't get me wrong, but they might see Herbert as capable of more than the previous regime, and they might be looking at him next year and saying, what do we have in Herbert? We need to know that to make a better decision on what to do with Montgomery.
0: Yeah, I think we talked about this in last night's mock. I think Herbert is just like a poor man's Madison, too. What we've seen is they'll go one for one uh, if Montgomery's out, too, so he has that contingency value plus you know could towards the end of the year like you're saying bloom be the guy to kind of check in on austin we you wanted to kind of focus on the colts here because there's yeah check the new missing pieces or new pieces over there
2: No doubt. Simon, you had tweeted out and said one of the biggest stars from OTAs in minicamp. Hines is going to be a big part of the offense. Matt Ryan will know how to get Hines involved. And it's clear the Colts want to correct the mistake they made last season. We should expect potentially career high usage. You retweeted that quote and I loved it. It got me thinking and. Knowing I'm in on this, so it's kind of a multiple part question. I wanted to bring your way. Does Heinz's career high usage here get to the point of fantasy relevancy on a f- consistent basis? Will Hines be started in lineups consistently then if that's true? And what does this do to Jonathan Taylor? Is he still your 101 pick? And lastly, Matt Ryan is walking into a pretty good offense in Indianapolis. Wentz had nice stretches last season. Does Matt Ryan deserve more consideration than he's currently getting as he's being drafted behind guys like Trevor Lawrence?
1: Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, let, let me run these back in the order, the opposite order. On Matt Ryan, uh, I, I, okay. Really, what this is, is a, uh, Uh, public service announcement to to change your league to super flex or two quarterback leagues, because (laughs) I think there is something there to look at Ryan starting to bounce back for fantasy, but in one quarterback leagues, the bar is so high and without, uh, running ability or high volume pass offense or a super high efficiency pass offense, which I just don't think they have the horses uh-huh, at, at wide receiver and tight end to, <laughs> to make this. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? Uh, in, I mean, this isn't going to be a massive high efficiency pass offense, even though they're a run first offense with Taylor, etc. Just they don't have the personnel yet. Maybe these guys are going to develop into that personnel eventually. Uh, so it's I think Matt Ryan's going to be improved, but not enough to be important in one quarterback leagues. But again, when you're looking for your second quarterback, you like to wait. Eight, uh matt ryan could be very good especially if your scoring system rewards passing efficiency or just passing more than typical leagues five point pass touchdowns point per 20 yards uh passing um taylor i think it's unchanged i think hmm. he's still the one one based on what he did last year and again it's alignment offensive line team philosophy uh he's a ascendant talent still on the upslope of his career and look the bottom line of all this stuff really if you're analyzing the colts and this is probably why you brought out uh darnell mooney i think michael Pittman is in, like roughly the same range of your draft yes. like, like you might be on the clock and looking at like in the third late third early fourth round i don't know mooney may fall the farther than that what i'm trying to say is i, I might not uh reach early you know say t- he might be the next pick, but I want to make sure I get Mooney Pittman. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he could do like a Julio impression with Matt Ryan. The important thing you need to know here is all the beat writers unanimously watching practice are saying, wow, this looks like a functional NFL offense and minicamp, mind you, but this is, you know, Carson Wentz. And this is like a Terry McLaurin take, right? This is a Washington commanders take too. That and what did how good was Jonathan Taylor to do what he did without Carson Wentz giving him a ton of help except for about a month, October Wentz had captured his form and then lost it by the end of the season, so I think Taylor's fine and I think that the important thing is that Matt Ryan is going to be taking this offense back to levels we haven't seen. Well, maybe that mm-hmm. we haven't seen, honestly, cuz when did they ever have a good offense with Andrew Luck? I might be missing a year somewhere there, but I well, feel they like they
0: never had a line. Remember it took right. his, it took him his whole career and then he retired before they had a good offensive line. And then they put all the they they taken all the hodgepodge you know Mm -hmm. misfit toys since then philip rivers carson wentz and now matt ryan right um you know i know johnny is interested in paris campbell we've you the industry has been just waiting for paris campbell you're the the epitome of the optimism guy yeah i remember how many years you were banging the drum for kiki QT. so (laughs) not to give you Hey, he broke the record
1: for catches in his first game nfl record so that's should be worth something, something, right?
0: Right. Yeah. So where where are you kind of at on Paris Campbell? Quickly here to kind of run like up. I like Paris
1: Campbell a lot. I like Paris Campbell a lot. And Paris Campbell's one of those players. And again, it's only practice, it's only training camp. Every year, everybody watching is dazzled by him, and then he can't stay healthy. Sure. Now. Chances are he won't be able to stay healthy, but I think he's an interesting breakout guy. Certainly on your week one waiver wire watch list in deeper leagues, maybe you take him in one of the last rounds. But tying a bow on this with Hines, I do think that you hit the point, and I just have a thing for scat backs, all right? <laughs> but I do think that Hines. It's probably not going to be truly consistent in a redraft kind of way. It's more like best ball leagues. He's an absolute must in best ball leagues. Um, I think in your DFS lineups, you want that guy who has a chance to hit two or three touchdowns with over 100 total yards at a cheap price to like make your millie maker or what have you. Um, and, and then he can save your bacon. I mean, it, you have him as your fourth running back in PPR leagues. You go through bi-week injury gauntlet he might be the reason you win in a certain week so save
2: your bacon yeah. yeah
1: we all we all want our bacon saved I don't know where that saying comes from now I want to go look that up
0: yeah I love looking up where the old sayings come from for sure uh, all right, Sigmund, your third question here, and I, this might be the biggest you know, one with mm-hmm. the most meat on the bone. Basically, what will Russell, Russell Wilson do in an offense-slash-organization that embraces his talents, assuming that Hackett, Hackett can do just that? So we put this tweet up from Dwayne McFarlane. Mm-hmm. The AFC West and NFC West are two most fancy friendly divisions, and they also get to play each other in 2022. He said 50 per, 56% of the 50-plus game totals from week 1 through 17 – are in those divisions based on these matchups that we're talking about here. So really there is so much upside baked into what the Broncos have got going on and you could see it in the excitement in ADP where we're drafting all these players. So talk a little bit about of, you know, what you think of this offense here.
1: Yeah, I think we can trust Nathaniel Hackett. He's been around a lot. Um, I think we can trust him to not overcomplicate this and make it about him. You're making it about the quarterback and we just want to know how, strong was that current that russell wilson had to row upstream against the whole time he was with seattle and in fantasy anytime you had russell wilson you felt it right he'd be good for half of the season and then another half of the season you weren't even sure if you could put him in your lineup right. even in a game there might be a game where like at halftime we're like I, I got 70 yards on seven attempts what's going on but then they fall behind explode yeah and in the fourth quarter he just says, puts the team on his back and they would win so let's be fair there is a, a downside here You know, the downside is that maybe Seattle actually did something smart. Maybe Wilson is in some sort of decline. And maybe the reason things were choppy the waters wasn't just because of Seattle and their slavish devotion to the run and old school football uh, we'll see although I tend to think his drop off last year was because of his broken finger I don't think it was really right after that and he like and, rushed
0: the comeback too. remember he was like 20 yes, hours of rehab a day
1: right right the <laughs> nano bubbles didn't yeah. work or something like that
0: so you know I mean I don't want to just paint the total
1: optimistic side but you would think especially because the Broncos did this really interesting strategy where they got all the pieces in place and they just waited to like a quarterback to place at the center of the offense and it worked and they got Russell Wilson. So I think that, again, this is an offense. So fast forward for a second, cause I talked about what we're thinking about now is change and massaging our brains and making sure that we're open to the change. But then the next step is once we see one, two, three weeks of data, you have to be ready to act without proof that what you're seeing is going to stick. Right. If you wait until it's certain that what you saw in the first few weeks is not a mirage, not based on, you know, some uh, temporary factor, it's too late. It's too late to take advantage of it. Yeah. So I think I think the Denver offense is one that we need to be ready. We need to be on the ready to make some bold moves. You know, Cortland Sutton uh, or whoever, if there's a clear number one in this pass offense, could be a second or third round value that is available well after that. Tim Patrick could mm-hmm. be that guy, right? You know, Javante Williams, I know people. there's still a chance for him to be a first-round running back, like a Nick Chubb kind of uh, fantasy running back if it's a good offense. And they start out against Seattle and Houston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know i mean maybe it's too easy yeah. <laughs> right well, get the denver defense by the way and
0: that that's kind of the point like as you brought this up because we all want russ to cook we think he should be allowed to cook but hackett has only ever recently coached a run heavy jacksonville a slower yet efficient green bay offense russ has only ever played on teams that run the ball heavily denver last year albeit terrible quarterback play ran the ball heavily so, we all think that Russ and the Broncos are going to throw and in that division maybe throw a ton, but like, what if they don't? Uh, then what, what are we talking about here? Maybe Javante in the backs, but yeah. that's kind of what I keep. I, it might have been, it, it, I think it was you and also JJ Zacharyson says this a lot. We need to start being ready to do counter narratives because the, the whole industry goes one way. You know, and we're like, this is what it's going to be, and then it's like, but what if it isn't? Mm-hmm. And this one just kind of seems like a lot's lining up the other way. But again, you know, Dwayne pointed out all the points to be had in that division. Um, you know, I, I, I so I'm getting these vibes that maybe you know, like goose. I don't get the goosebumps Austin does, but I do. We talked about the Raiders, and we're talking about the Broncos, and I kind of like, what if we have them flipped? Like, what if it really is the Raiders that we should be more on?
2: and the Broncos that we should be a little bit more off of just because we can't really peg it for what it is. Sig, you had kind of pointed and – the direction on these other skill players that I wanted to get a little bit more clarity on and perhaps factoring in these other counter narratives is important too. we got Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy super close in ADP right now, 67 and 69. You had mentioned Cortland Sutton potentially being that alpha. I wonder if you see Jerry Judy as having any shot to be the number one, or if you're pretty convinced about Cortland Sutton in that role. And then similar question for the backfields here. We've mm-hmm. know about Melvin Gordon and the re-signing. We know about Javante Williams potential. how well he did with javante or excuse me when he was the only back there when melvin gordon was missing time how are you looking at picking up these players right now in redraft formats which wide receiver do you like and how do you evaluate the backfields yeah
1: i think it's definitely sutton um Mm -hmm. you know it's uh, sutton i feel like we've seen sutton hit his peak as an nfl player we've seen him realize his potential we have not seen judy do that yet he might he might but i haven't seen it yet um Cecil Lammy my co-host covers the Broncos and I take his Denver information uh, as golden basically and he said it's Sutton's Wilson's guy. And you can see Sutton's game and DK Metcalf's game kind of lining up some of the same throws some of the same mentality some of the way you play. Um, it, and then there's Tim Patrick who's just so cheap why not. And the other thing is what is this team going to do in terms of personnel because they took Greg Dulcich in the third round they liked like uh, Cecil t- tells me that it's possible that at some point this year, Dulcich could have more value than Alberto. Uh, they could go with more two tight end sets. They could they could absolutely run so many plays, a percentage high enough with two only two wide receivers on the field that we want to, well, who's coming off the field? Guys, it's probably Judy. Mm. Okay. Unless he's mm-hmm. just, unless he just forces them to leave him on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to put a chip on Judy, just on his talent, like he's such an overwhelming talent that it, no matter what their plans are, no matter what Wilson's guy is in May or June, it's going to be Judy. Go for it. And it might be right. I'm not going to say a hundred percent chance you're wrong. Um, so I, I think that Sutton and Patrick and watch the tight ends uh, in the backfield. Again, I think Javante Williams and the drop in value, the drop in ADP he experienced whenever Melvin Gordon's resigned is actually potentially your opportunity because even if he only gets sixty percent of this backfield. And let's assume some progression from what we saw last year to it being a little more in Williams' favor because it isn't like the Broncos had urgency to bring back Melvin Gordon. They let him test the market. Good point. Again, right. you know, this is what Melvin Gordon found in free agency two years ago when he signed with the Broncos. Like, yeah, there's not a market that you think is out there for your service. Mm-hmm. Go, go find out. So when you come back and take the offer we gave you, you feel good about it. Um, but still, Melvin Gordon's playing well. Melvin Gordon last year was about as good as he's looked in his career, to be honest. So... Uh, Gordon is going to be a factor, but 60, 65 percent of one of the top five or seven offenses in the league is a first round fantasy pick and running back. So I still think if you'd like Javante before Gordon was resigned, you still like him after
0: last point, just to tie up the wide receivers. If we look at the new regime, they extended Cortland Sutton. They gave Tim Patrick a contract. They did not draft Jerry Judy. Right. So, we have some mm-hmm. things to show us maybe where their allegiance might be. So, that's kind of the things you could think about here. Want to pull up Tony Pollard as our last mm-hmm. kind of topic here. Uh, Bloom, you said you, you retweeted the, around the NFL where they said, you know, Cowboys running back Tony Pollard, uh, exploring receiver role at OTAs. I'm open to anything just being on the field. Sigmund Bloom says, using your best players often. What a concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we, obviously, we saw that last year. Uh, You also said that Pollard said, if I have to line up in the slot a little more, whatever it takes, I'm ready to do it. You saying ready to do it because he's been doing it for a month at the star with another level of unveiling maybe to come at minicamp. (sighs) Here's the thing, because I I got overexposed on the Dallas offense last year and it kind of bit me, especially I I got exposed to some of the wrong pieces and, and they had an up and down year based on games they were in and zeke's injury even though he was an rb6 look we want tony pollard the fantasy football industry kind of f- feels like they need tony pollard we think tony pollard should be involved more as a pass catcher and should maybe take over that role but even last year on a torn pcl zeke garnered the six most targets among running backs and even though pollard was better than zeke in pff grade jones and company would not drag him off the field even with that pcl injury they continue to give him you know all these carries sig I, I just wanted to ask you do we really think that pollard can be more than just one of the best contingency plans in, in fantasy football
1: yeah i know you bring up really sobering good points and by the way those words were uh, mike fisher Okay. Fish sports. Yeah. Just because I want to put, I want yeah, to yeah. put an sure. emphasis on that because he's watching the practice. He's there. Yeah. Yeah. He's got his, his, uh, ears to like what's going on in the building. So, you know,
0: he's, no, I, I appreciate you calling it out because yeah. I, I think that your ability to kind of, get the right beat writers and like mm-hmm. zone in on them is, is is a big thing and why not give them a shout out here they're doing all yeah. the work yeah and and, we, and then just that it's not my, necessarily my opinion that
1: he mm-hmm. could do it more in mini camp somebody who's in the building watching the practice is saying there could be another level to it so i mean i think we've laid out both cases here right i mean the case for taking pollard is pretty simple he's good he's really really good He's really, really, really. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's, you know, just uh, Marcus Mosier, who always does good stuff, puts together those uh, compilations of his 10 plus yard plays. And you're watching me like, how is this guy not the, one of the centerpieces of the offense? But the thing is, he hasn't been one of the centerpieces of the offense. Uh, it, it, let's see. It's like one of those set, uh, codes where you, you spell out the first letter of each sentence and it spells out like Jerry, right?
0: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it
1: was, what's wrong? What's going on? And also McCarthy. That's the other thing is like we thought. Zodiac. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, we hoped last year we saw in those four games before uh, uh, Dak dislocated his ankle, like yep. the potential of a an offense post Jason Garrett, like spreading its wings. And we thought we were going to get that last year. And we didn't get that. We got a Mike McCarthy offense. We got Dalton Schultz. We got, yeah. we got a gimpy Ezekiel Elliott. We got a let's win mm-hmm. a game by four points. And then we saw what that gets you in the playoffs. Right. right. And then they're going to learn their lesson. What do the Cowboys ever learn their lesson? <laughs> right? No, but er, Jerry Jones, right? jeez. Right. Oh, yes. So he's uh, just showing us his draft board yet again.
2: Like, oh my Jerry, God. He put it away. <laughs> the, the
1: way they were looking at him and they're just I like,
2: uh, you know it was hilarious i love that i mean have you
1: have you had to deal with a parent who has dementia i uh, have we're all we're all getting that that age and yeah that's kind of <laughs> like jerry jones sometimes with the the cowboys um but you know here here's your counter to the counter and and jj's right about the counter narrative and jj's right about um just being like i'll, I'll put it this way uh i won't i won't put words in jj's mouth i'll just put it this way but when Early in the season, you I get it, sticking to your guns can work. But when early in the season, stuff starts to happen that irritates you, frustrates you, because it's counter to what you think, like that emotional reaction is important. And you should accept it or be more open to accepting it. Again, the key Mm -hmm. in fantasy football is not being right about all your preseason takes. The key in fantasy football is when the reveal happens and you see – because it's all going to be different. Like, I don't care – how good your projections are or rankings are, you're going to be way off on a bunch of players. Everybody, every single one of us is going to be way, way off. Like if we did a fantasy football draft at the end of the season, based on what happened, it would look so different than our drafts. We would think, why do we even do this? Well, we do this for mental health, right? Saving lives, right? We're saving <laughs> that's lives, right. Yeah, that's right. That's why we're in it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, be ready for something different. I think if we, you know, if you saw, even like you said, Austin you're a little overweight on the Cowboys offense but at the same time when you saw that was going to be kind of a boring close to the best offense you might be the first to be able to realize like maybe it's time to get out as (laughs) opposed to the people that were well let's wait and see uh, because they want more evidence (laughs) anyway here's your Tony Pollard case other than just he's really good they have they have to do something this year because Amari Cooper's gone and Michael yeah, not going to be They have to do something. Now, again, counting on them to do the right thing. So, <laughs> This is where we go back to Brian Dable. Like, I count on Brian Dable to do the right thing. I don't know if I count on Kellen Moore to do the right thing. I definitely don't count on Mike McCarthy to do the right thing. Thankfully, he's just a ceremonial figurehead, you think, you hope.
0: Yeah, they paid Dan Quinn so they can fire Mike McCarthy and move to Dan Quinn, it feels
2: right. like. And then Sean Payton. In the yeah, year. right. You're right, exactly. So, Stig, you're, you're painting some pictures that are bringing in the last question that I had prepared here. And it's inspired by Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. It's also connected to the other elements of the Dallas Cowboys. And so just to take a quick step back with it, you know, we assume rational coaching. We assume a desire to prioritize smart business practices when someone's running a business. But in reality, that's not always what no. happens. And when you have someone like a Jerry Jones who has lived an incredibly full and enriched life, who's now got more yesterdays than tomorrow's on his horizon, you might not be playing for the same thing that everybody else is. And I know he loves his Dallas Cowboys. We've all seen him tear up. We've all seen the hard knocks. We've all know this man really loves this squad. And I have to think, He cares more about the relationships and his connection to the whole energy of it all more than he cares about setting up uh, an algorithmically pristine lineup and situation. So with that, how much of an impact that makes on the overall decisions, we'll end up seeing. But that's what inspired this question. Which team or team leader do you think has the least likely chance of rational operations, coaching, GMing, et cetera?
1: and it's a good one um I, you know we, we i don't the cowboys are like low-hanging fruit i mean uh, yeah. so organizations I, i'll tell you an organization that worries me is seattle an organization mm-hmm. that i think really might be in complete denial and and really might be put out a terrible terrible product on the field and just be without like russell wilson really might turn this team more into a house of cards uh so i just think pete carroll so weird to be rebuilding
0: with a head coach in his 70s right yeah like that's who won the battle for you right was the coach in the 70s i still don't understand why they would do that i it's, and they're keeping the, the wide receivers well, likely going to – Ownership matters, right?
1: Because yeah. this is a team that doesn't really right. have an owner. Right. This is a team that doesn't have someone that's going to step in and throw their weight around in, in some way to steer. This is why I think in some ways the Rogers thing right. is, has been so wild because there's not an owner. A, mm-hmm. There's not somebody in Green Bay that just says, give him what he wants because this thing over with her. So I, all these things factor in. So Seattle is an organization that I feel like – their perceptions, the people who are calling the shots are way out of touch with reality. Uh, And I mean, at the same time, I don't think there's not much actionable there because DK Metcalf could still be okay because he and Geno Smith actually were on the same page. I don't think anybody's in on Tyler Lockett, even though he's a good football player. I mean, hey, if Tyler Lockett's staring at me in like the 12th round of a draft, I might take him just because he's Tyler Lockett, you know? But yeah. Um, and I like Kenneth Walker. I, I mean, the, you know, the good thing is the way they're in denial for Kenneth Walker is that they're going to, again, they're going to run the ball. They're going to play old school smash mouth football. And that's Kenneth Walker's music. Mm.
0: I love it, and we are absolutely thrilled to have had you on here, Sigma. We got into everything. One, maybe the most important thing was one, not one of these narratives. You said something about um, when we we are trying to – we're in the if moments. If yeah. this happens, then this happens, and this. And the emotional reactions we get when those things are starting to peak up, it's almost as if our subconscious is trying to tell us something through the emotions that like, hey – get out while you can. And I think that may be the most like pertinent fantasy advice I've heard in a long time. Like be ready lean to- into those emotional yeah.
2: signals because yeah, they yes. are going to tell you something. Yes. Emotional they're going to continue yeah. moving forward. It's not, you don't, you don't invest, you don't double down on your first feeling. You recognize how strong your first feeling was. So as that, feeling evolves as you move through, you know, it's actually connected to other inputs and outputs that are now real
0: you know, like you laid the groundwork already. So I think that's awesome. And we appreciate you having us or we appreciate you being on here. Uh, Can you let the people know what you're working on and where they can find you?
1: Yeah. But, you know, football guys um, always, you know, we got the audible not on the eight days a week schedule we have during the season, but we're going to get ramped up. Um, look mid July, late July for our preseason watch list episode for each team. We love doing that. It's the calendar, right? It's the week one feel all year, yeah. right? It's always the anticipation, always building the anticipation, always looking forward to the reveal, whether, you know, we're, uh, we're tearing up our tickets or we're cashing them in. It's the, it's the enjoyment of sharing that together and and you know the way it all slants to our brains and the way all these live minds like to interact about it and uh, right now football guys we've got a ton of things going on i'm doing just my let's let's set where we're at right now so quarterback tiers running back tiers wide receiver tiers tight end tiers and Again, we're not too entrenched right now. We're still we're ready to change. We're ready to yeah. be flexible and malleable depending on what we hear. But I l- love what you guys are doing. Um, I think that it's been an amazing thing to watch all of these um, small, I uh, don't you would call it a subculture. I mean, guys, maybe that's the way to put it. Like, we've turned from a subculture into a culture, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, uh, and it's fringe it's, to the mainstream. Yeah, and I think way. that and and I think that you know th- there's so many things we could we could do a whole hour or more just jumping off from this point. But I do think that on the whole we've created a pretty positive corner of the internet, a place where people want to left up- uplift each other and help each other where we understand that fantasy football might be the handshake, but and that my theory is that fantasy football mostly and there's a lot of amazing ladies playing fantasy football, doing fantasy football content etc. but I think it's mostly therapy for guys. It's I mm-hmm. our therapy and we don't have, it's not as easy to make friends, you know, when you're older, it's not as easy to like find people or a space, a safe space, right? Where you, you, you can feel like you can be yourself and become, mm-hmm. right? Wasn't the original safe space a man cave anyway, right? Like white dudes made yeah. up the whole space, safe space concept. I just want to go somewhere where I can be myself and no one's going to criticize me for mm-hmm. it. And I think that we it's more and more, I see the kind of work y'all are doing and men, uh, many other people in the industry and taking this to a whole new level of mostly being present in each other's lives, yeah. hearing each other, uh, you know, like be, making each other feel seen and heard, and not just those of us who get to indulge and have to be in front of the camera and the microphone, but all the people in our community. Community is what makes it important. Like the lifeblood of everything we do is the people. And without the people, there's no us. Like we don't get the privilege and joy of getting to do this. And I'll just close it by saying it's great to hang out with some cool motherfuckers, even the motherfucker who's not here.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we miss that motherfucker dearly. But I do just want to add quickly because yeah. you talked about community there. You know, we we founded this brand and we gave it a mission statement. You know, building a community where you know you belong because of the way we knew we belong in our league of record that we've yeah. been drafting in for eleven years. And I think that's exactly it. And what you know, you look at Twitter, especially fantasy football Twitter, and it can get to the negative and toxic points where somebody's calling you're an idiot because you think B H yeah. is going to be good this year. And it's like okay, but then what you see is the outpour when somebody's down and they say, man, somebody was really giving me shit for my takes and you know, when Twitter capes up and says, look, we're all in this together. We love you. It's all good. Mm-hmm. I think it's a beautiful place to be in. So I'm really yeah. excited uh, to be in this industry. And I think you hit on everything there that everything. And yeah. I just want to
1: add in this beautiful sentiment you said uh, being about the community and what makes you belong or a community where you belong and what is it that makes you belong? And I, I harken back to the first time I went to see fish in like 1994 and, the, and mm-hmm. just the, the, the epiphany I had like, being feeling you were part of something and what was the entry price what was the ticket just wanting to be there and wanting to be part of the community Mm. and i think that's what what we've created in a lot of corners of the fantasy football world and may continue to last
0: absolutely well this show can't last any longer as much as we'd like it to we're going to send sig on his way but we appreciate sigmund we appreciate all of whisper nation that was in the chat mike ronald uh, we had our, uh, we had Roxana in here. Um, it Pizza was a- Belly, Albert. Hey, Albert. We appreciate all you guys being in here. And uh, for Austin Sear, I'm Big Travy, We're the Fantasy Whispers. We are out of here. Peace. Peace. Take-
2: right here. Hey, you like mock drafting? So do we. Check out one of our previous mocks in the videos here, and like and subscribe to catch next week's mock draft coming your way.